we're all familiar, I think, with the only biblical definition of faith you'll find. It's in the 11th chapter, verse 1. Faith is. And last week we talked about faith is substance. Today, faith is seeing. The rest of the chapter really describes that faith in action. So verse 1 of chapter 11, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible, which are seen. There is in the scientific community a phrase, I think it's relatively new, and the phrase is parallel reality. Parallel reality. And the theory that that phrase embraces is that there is another universe that is parallel to ours. We, we don't know it because we don't have the perceptive apparatus to perceive and know it. But there is another universe exactly like ours that runs parallel to ours that we just can't know or see because we don't have the physical senses to see it. And those who believe in UFOs say that that explains that phenomena. It belongs to that parallel reality, that parallel universe that runs alongside of ours. Now we do believe that, we do know that the way we perceive our universe is with our senses, what we see and hear and touch and taste and smell. But if something happened and we lost one of those senses, then a part of this universe that is real to us would be lost. And in fact, it would become a kind of a parallel reality to us. For example, here is a rainbow in the sky, and that's real to us, a present reality, because we have the physical apparatus to perceive that. But here's a man born blind, and he's, he can't see it, and he can't perceive it, because he doesn't have the physical apparatus to do that. But if someday somebody equipped him with sight, then all of a sudden that which was a parallel reality becomes a present reality. For example, your neighbor doesn't have television, and so he doesn't know that you have all these shows going on out there in the world, you know, all these uh, uh, pictures that are there. But you do because you have an apparatus that can, you know, focus on them, bring them in, into your living room. And if something happened one day, your neighbor suddenly got himself a television and a satellite dish, he could plug that thing in and he would discover for the first time this parallel reality, it would become a present reality. And he would see for the first time all these, you know, pictures and sporting events are somehow floating around out there, you see. The scientists say that it would be amazing if we had a sixth sense. It would be, it'd amaze us what we could see that's out there. Now, I don't know if I believe all that stuff or not. I, 
I'm not up here to, you know, advocate UFOs and all that kind of thing. But I do know that there is a parallel reality of a different kind. It's called the spiritual world. And the Bible says that God created a visible world and He created an invisible world. And the invisible world is more real than the visible one. As a matter of fact, this text says that it is out of the invisible that the visible was given birth. That the spiritual world gave birth to the physical world and that which is seen was given birth by that which is not seen. Amazing. Now most of us, uh, we, we see as reality those things that we can perceive with the senses. If I, this is real to me here, you know, this pulpit, because I can, I can grasp it with a, I can see it and I can touch it. But beyond this physical world is another world that's more real than the physical one. It's called the spiritual world. And God has given birth to the physical and the spiritual world, and the spiritual world is even more real and ultimate than what you can grasp with your senses. Now the question is, is how in the world do you perceive or make contact with that spiritual world? I mean, what is the scientist's sixth sense that will enable me to get beyond this world and perceive that one? Well, the answer to that is faith. Hey, now watch carefully. Faith is like the scientist's sixth sense. It enables one to perceive as reality the spiritual world. In fact, a person who has faith is able to see that which you and I can never see. And so the, the text says that faith is the evidence Another translation has it, faith is the conviction. I like the Williams translation, faith is the proof of the reality of that which is unseen. Now occasionally I hear people kind of feel, you know, these kind of uh, sympathy, they give a little sympathy for a person who's living by faith, you know, they kind of pity them, you know, poor guy, you know, he's going around, get real, they say, you know. Listen, you don't pity the guy who lives by faith, you pity the person who can't. Because that person who lives by faith is that person who has been able to get beyond the physical and through faith is able to perceive as proof that which cannot be seen. So that if you're going to ever live by faith, you're going to have to understand that the ultimate reality is not what you see. That you belong to another world and that you're citizens of another place. And the reality is the ultimate reality of the spiritual world, and that's perceived by faith. Now, I want to come at this this morning from two angles. I want to come at it from the angle of application, and then I want to come at it from the angle of implication. And what I want to do is to give you so many illustrations of this that until I just see the light come on in your face. So the application, I mean, how do you apply faith to perceive the invisible? How do you do that? How is it possible to have faith to believe that? For we are so immersed in the physical world. You remember when Moses 
stood before you know, the burning bush and God spoke to him and God said, take off your shoes for this is holy ground. Now I know that what God was saying was, this is a holy place, this is a different place, you've got to take off your shoes to signify that, but there's much more involved in that. For shoes are sandals represented the connectedness of man to his earth. And what God was saying was this, Moses, you're about to embark upon something that's going to be so necessary for you to be disconnected from your dependence upon the physical world. You're going to embark upon something that's going to be so amazing and remarkable that you're going to have to live in a different realm than a physical realm. Take off your shoes. Now how is it that faith is able to break through this physical world that we are so dependent upon. It's, you know, it's, uh, sometimes I think that we have the idea that you kind of got to work it up, you know, like believing in a tooth fairy. You know, I just got to make myself believe in something I know isn't true. That's not what it means at all. I want to tell you what I think it means first. To break through the physical means that I must refuse to accept the verdict of the visible. I refuse to do it. I refuse to become dependent upon my feelings. I refuse to do it. Do you know what is the greatest hindrance to your life of faith? Let me tell you what the greatest hindrance to your life of faith is. Your physical senses. And sometimes you come into church, and I have a feeling that some of you, I just kind of get these vibrations. Some of you resent it when the preacher says, just trust God, you know. And you're sitting back there, and you've got all those problems that are so real to you, and all those difficulties and all those burdens that you live with in life, and you say, what is that going on? I mean, the preacher's up there telling me to just trust God, get real, you see. And you probably resent that. And about the only thing you can see is your impossible situation, your un, uh, unbearable difficulty. And, and, and you just kind of saying to yourself, well, I just don't see that at all. I cannot see that. Just trust God. See? Well, you're not alone. As a matter of fact, in the 20th chapter of the book of John, why don't you just flip back to that? It's easy to find. Fourth gospel. 20th chapter of the book of John. Now Jesus is, let me set, you, set the scene here. Jesus has been raised from the dead and he's alive. And some of these disciples have seen him. And they're telling Thomas he's, he's alive. He's risen from the dead. And Thomas says in verse 25, Unless I shall see in his hands the imprint of the nails and put my finger into the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. You know what he was saying? He said, I'm going to take the verdict of the visible. I'm, going, I'm depending upon my feelings. If I can feel, if I can see, then I'm going to be convinced. You remember that old song we used to sing? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away it was there by faith I received my sight and now I'm happy all the day and we've changed the song to sing like this it was there by sight I received my faith 
For most of us are willing to accept only the verdict of the visible. If I can see it. If I can put my hand on it. If I've got it in my hand so that I can touch it. And we're totally dependent upon sight and feelings. To, to, to live by faith means I refuse to accept the verdict of the visible. Well, God says, you know, uh, you say that in your word, but how can I know that for myself? Does that sound like anybody you know? And so Jesus came to Bethany. And there was Mary and Martha, the, brother, the, the sister of Lazarus, and, and they're really upset that Jesus hadn't come to heal him. And they say, you know, they rebuke him. They say, if you'd have been here, our brother would not have died. You know what Jesus said? He said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you see the glory of the Lord? You know what we say? Let me see the glory of the Lord, then I'll believe. If I could just see a miracle, I would believe. No, you wouldn't. Faith, don't, faith doesn't produce a miracle. That was the problem with ancient Israel. Over and over and over again, God provided miracles for ancient Israel. And over and over again, it said, and they believed not God. Faith doesn't. Miracles don't provide faith. In the 16th chapter of the book of Luke, there's another illustration. I just want to keep pounding you with illustrations till it comes on. There's another Lazarus. Now, it's not the same Lazarus. It's this beggar that was lying at the gate of the rich man begging for crumbs from his table. And the scripture says that, the, that Lazarus died and he was carried into Abraham's bosom and the rich man died and in torments he lifted up his eyes. And he said this to Abraham, Abraham, send Lazarus to the house of my brothers and warn them against this place. And, and Abraham said, no, they've got the law and the prophets. Let them believe them. And you know what the rich man said? He said, well, if somebody would come back from the dead, they would believe. And Abraham said, no, if they are not persuaded by the law and the prophets, they'll not believe though somebody is raised from the dead. A guy came and told me one day, he said, Preacher, I, just, I, I know that you've been asking everybody to be a tither. He said, I've, I've, I've checked it out. He said, I just, can't, I just can see no way that I could ever tithe. He said, I just can't see it. I can't find a way. I said, well, God said for you to tithe, and He never commands anything that He doesn't give you the, the ability to do, so evidently you can, you just don't know it. We say seeing is believing. Jesus says believing is seeing. And have you ever wondered why verse 3 is in this, this little passage? By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the Word of God. Well, we say, well... By faith we believe that God created the world with His Word. It doesn't just mean that. That word worlds there, plural, is a reference to ages, eons, dispensations, eras, history. And what he's saying is that God not only created this physical world you and I experience with our senses, but He creates and molds and shapes the history of it. I love it. And so a group of historians was sitting around and they were speculating. 
What would this world, what would happen if Napoleon had not been defeated? What, what if the South had won the Civil War? What if Hitler had not been defeated? What if, as though these things happened just by chance? The fact is that faith enables us to understand and to, and to grasp and to see that God shapes history itself. So, now if that's true, watch this. What you see may not be the way it is. You remember how Walter Cronkite used to close out his news? He'd say, and that's the way it is on July 21st, 1991. Old Vance Havner, the great evangelist, said, kind of mocking Walter Cronkite, he said, no, he should say, and that's the way it seems. And you say, is there nothing real in this world? Yes, well watch this. There is reality in this world. And the reality is what God confirms to be reality. I've had him contradict the word of a doctor. I've also had him confirm the word of a doctor. And I'm going to say something in exaggeration this morning. If you walk out of here this morning and it's pouring down rain, but God's Word says it isn't raining, then you just know it seems like it is. You know, and you come back in here, and you be soaking wet, and you say to me, it seems like it's raining, but God's Word says it isn't. You know? So it isn't. It just seems like it. That's an exaggeration. But the truth is that there are going to be times in your life where you just know something is absolutely this way, and it's the opposite of the way it is with God. So don't take it as the final word until he gives the final word. Amen? Okay, now, we refuse to accept the verdict of the visible. Secondly, this matter of, of, of having faith that goes beyond the, the, to, the, to the parallel reality is a matter of responding to the revelation of God that we have. Refusing the visible, responding to the revelation. Now, I preached a whole sermon on this not long ago, and I just want to remind you of one part of that sermon. It's this, that God always reveals enough of Himself so that we can believe what we need to believe for a particular need. He always does that. Now, most of the time, that revelation is not to the physical eye. You remember Joshua, my Sunday school class, and we've been studying this, and Joshua got ready to take the children of Israel across the Jordan, and all of a sudden there stood before him a man with a sword in his hand. And he said to Joshua, I am the captain of the host of the army of the host of heaven. Now, what Joshua needed was a revelation from God that he had a, had a, he had a captain with a sword in his hand. I mean, he, God had revealed himself as a shepherd. And that means that we can trust God to take care of us like a shepherd takes care of his sheep. He didn't need a shepherd. He needed a warrior. So God came to him and revealed to Joshua that he was a warrior because Joshua needed to know that he was about to go into battle and a warrior as his captain. And there was a host of heaven's soldiers up there as well. You see what I'm saying? Now, the amazing thing about that statement, that, that, that revelation is, is in the next chapter, we studied about this this morning, 
Joshua got ready and, and to go into the land, and he said, See, the Lord has given you Jericho. And when you study that word see in a Hebrew construction, S-E-E, it doesn't mean to look with the eye of the flesh. It means to look with the eye of the Spirit through faith. For when we get ready for some particular need, God reveals to our heart, to our spirit, through faith, that which is necessary for us to meet that need. I, I honestly believe that. And so after Jesus had fed the 5,000, each one of them had a basket full of fragments. They put this basket on their lap and got in this boat and started out on the lake. About that time, a storm came up and scared those disciples to death. And they woke Jesus up and they said to Jesus, Don't you care that we perish? And Jesus got up and rebuked them and said, O ye little faith, and then he rebuked the wind. Now watch this carefully. And in Mark's gospel, he said, just, you'll miss it if you don't know about it. He said, for they had not learned the lesson of the loaves. You know what the lesson of the loaves was? The lesson of the loaves was, they had it in their lap. The lesson of the loaves was that Jesus was able to transcend natural law. And had they known the lesson of the loaves, they'd have never been afraid of the storm, see. Because they would have known that Jesus transcends the natural order of things. I believe that. Now, when you lack wisdom, you ask of God. And our, our faith is a response to that revelation, and that revelation comes through prayer when you ask Him. So how do you transcend this visible world? Well, in response to what you know about God, well, how do you get knowledge of God? By asking for it. Okay, second. I'm at point two. You, you, told, you thought I was at point four? <laughs> point two. Point two has to do with the implications. Now watch. What is the implication? What are the implications of seeing the invisible? What? are the implications of seeing the invisible. Number one, you have strength for endurance. Now, if you nod and off, wake up. I'm going to show you something. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to read verses 17 and 18. Now, here's the question. How is it that the Apostle Paul was able to endure all that he had to endure? I mean, that was physically impossible to go through what he went through. You talk about taking beating. How, how was it that he was able to endure that? He says, for momentary light affliction. Light affliction? Being stoned to death? Being beaten with rods, and, and the historians say when a person was beaten with rods, various seldom anybody ever survived. Nobody ever had children after that, and most of them went insane. Beaten with rods? He calls that light affliction? Just a little bitty problem? 
For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. This is just a temporal thing. It's going to pass by quickly. we got our eyes on an invisible thing. Now, I want you to catch this. It just dawned on me the other day that most of the time we think that having faith is in order to change a circumstance. If I can just have enough faith, my friend, my loved one will be healed. If I could just have enough faith, I can get God to change this circumstance that I live in. I want you to notice not a thing about this, about these circumstances were changed, not one thing. So what was this faith for? For what was this faith that enabled him to see the invisible so he could endure? So he could see these light afflictions as temporary? So he could look with hope toward the eternal weight of glory? And the faith enabled him to endure, not to escape? You ever felt like sometime... Somebody slips in and changes your Bible and puts something in there that wasn't in there before. I felt that a lot. <laughs> I, I was reading 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says this, No temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, and He will not allow you to endure, to suffer temptation. But with the temptation, the trial, provide also a way of escape. I thought that was all there was to that verse. One day I read that and I thought, somebody's added this while I was asleep. The rest of that verse says, so that you may be able to endure it. And I thought that what faith was about was that here we were in this box canyon surrounded by all these circumstances and problems and if I have enough faith God to bring one of those jet helicopters in there and swoop in and deliver me out of that man it'd be a happy sale you know what I discovered I discovered that's not the purpose of faith at all the purpose of faith is that in the box canyon surrounded by circumstances problems and pain and suffering that he gives faith to endure it with power, with confidence, and with hope. How do you do that, Paul? How did you endure that? Well, this is how I endured it. I was looking at the invisible world. And we think if I can just see the invisible world, I can get a hold of something and it'd get me out of this bad debt and this this halitosis I've got or, you know, some itch or whatever I need to be delivered from. All right, second. The implication of this seeing the invisible is not just that we can endure, strength for endurance, but it's security for our relationship. Security for our relationship. Well, you see... It, it, it means that my relationship with God has nothing to do with my feelings. I mean, my feelings have nothing to do with my relationship with God. 
My feelings have nothing to do with my relationship with God. I mean, there have been times when I don't feel saved. Times when I don't feel married, too. How about you? Come on now, guys. You call your wife up tomorrow and say, Honey, I don't feel married. I don't, I don't expect I'll be home today. I, I, I just don't feel married. And she says to you, Honey, I don't care whether you feel married or not, you are married. Now you get yourself home, you know. <laughs> now, there are times when I don't feel saved. When I don't feel like that there is answer to prayer. When I don't feel like this is the truth. Ah, but I sure am glad that my security is not based upon that, but upon the fact, upon the fact that the moment I exercise my faith in Jesus Christ, mm, I'm secure. And that security extends everlasting. Faith is the master key. And if you're willing this morning to, res to refuse the verdict of the visible, dependent upon feelings, to the point you can come just like the little child who came in my office this week and said, I want to count on Jesus, you can be saved. And you can live in life victoriously if you're willing to refuse the verdict of the visible, dependent upon your feelings, place your trust in Him. For faith is the proof of the reality you can't see. Let's pray together. Father, now speak to our heart concerning the decision that this service demands of us for I pray in Jesus name there are three invitations there is an invitation for you to come this morning and place your faith in Jesus Christ for your salvation his salvation of you really you may be a small child you may be a grown adult we all get saved the same way when we stop depending on ourselves and we start depending upon Him. You may need to come this morning in an expression of a new commitment to recommit yourself to Christ. Or you may need to come, as many have come in the last few weeks, to say, this is the place where I want to live and my life and serve the Lord, this church, and place your life here. While we stand to sing, we invite you to come.